school hour, I invite you to stand as we sing hymn number 18, Take the Name of Jesus with you. Stand in as we sing this morning. And you may be saying unless you celebrate her birthday and anniversary. I noticed today would have been B. Cooper's birthday. Nothing else we probably ought to sing to her, should we? All right. Sing a happy birthday to Miss B.
Amen. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. We sure had a good service here Friday night uh, in memory of being a packed house. And so we want to continue to pray God would continue uh, to use what was heard that night. If there'd be any loss, they might be saved. And um, then uh, ask that you'd continue to pray for the family. Of course, uh, during time of loss like this, uh, it takes a while to adjust. And so if you would Remember to pray for the Clem VC family. I know they'd appreciate it. I uh, ask that you continue to pray for Brother Stephen and Miss Reagan and baby Miles. Uh, Miles coming along and uh, doing pretty good. Still has a ways uh, before dismissal. Uh, but if you would continue to pray for them, I know that uh, they would appreciate those prayers. Uh, we have an annual church business meeting on Wednesday night. And so I encourage you to come. We'll have a little... Uh, devotion, and then we'll go through, um, recap what uh, last year's financials look like, set the budget for the next year, uh, vote on officers, things like that. I encourage you to be here. I think it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, prayer requests, uh, we're redoing our prayer bulletin, and uh, so if you have uh, names in there that you want repeated uh, for this next round, uh, then you want to email or text Brother Lalo or get hold of his wife and tell her and, uh, you know, put it on paper or whatever uh, so that we can get those uh, transferred over. Couples retreats coming up, going to uh, Chateau-on-Lake and Branson. Uh, it's a Thursday, Friday, Friday, Saturday, whichever one works for you. Uh, we're looking forward uh, to a good meeting down there. Uh, each couple registers on their own. You can go to the retreat website and register there. The information's right here in the bulletin. And I look forward to a good time down at the retreat there. Missions conference coming up February 28th, March 3rd. Usually uh, the way our missions conference falls, it's the first part of March. Uh, and though it doesn't start on uh, March like 1st, uh, it, that's, that's the week. Uh, so we're gonna be February 28th through March the 3rd. It'll be a great time, going to have the grits. Uh, missionaries we already support to England, and then two new families, uh, the Carters going to Portugal, and the Sandellas going to uh, Czechs. And so I encourage you to come, be praying about that, what God would have you to do for the cause of missions. Uh, prayer requests over here, ask that you continue to pray uh, for each and every one that's listed, uh, and continue to lift them up before the Lord. And then um, some of you may have caught that um, Glenda Bush uh, was put into the hospital uh, Friday night into Saturday. It started out by going to make a, a doctor's visit, uh, ended up in emergency room, and they determined that uh, where they had taken her was too small, and so they moved her to Wesley uh, in Wichita. And so if you would pray for Marty and Glenda, uh, some issues there uh, in her body, and so continue to lift them up before the Lord and pray for them. I know that they sure would appreciate uh, those prayers. Going to have Brother Foster come back and lead us in another song, and then we'll get to our Sunday school time. Lord bless you for being here. Please stand once again. We'll sing hymn number 205. He keeps me singing. We'll sing the first and the last verses. Hymn number 205. There's within my heart a
chapter number 9. We are still in lesson number 7, seeking to finish that up today. Lesson number 7. If you need a handout, Brother Potts has that. Raise your hand, he'll get one to you. All right, a couple here. We probably won't get to lesson 8 today, but I have those available if you would like to go ahead and get one. All right, lesson number seven is entitled, From Morning to a Good Day. And you can probably think back in seasons of your life where you've gone through difficulties and uh, trials or situations where you didn't understand what the Lord may be doing or what He could do in a situation. Uh, But then you see how God moves and how God works, and it certainly brings about a good day in a time of reflection, a time of rejoicing, and probably we've never faced anything quite like the Jews that were facing here, where they were, uh, their lives were threatened, um, and they knew that they had an impending doom because of the decree that was placed upon them, uh, but to see how God interceded and how He protected them, how He provided for them in this situation as truly miraculous and truly uh, uh, a time of rejoicing from morning to a good day, and that's where we'll find ourselves here in Esther chapter number 9. Now last week we we started out by reading the first portion of this chapter, chapter number 9. This week I would like to begin reading in verse number 20 uh, through the end of the chapter. It says, And Mordecai wrote these things, and sent letters unto all the Jews that were in all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus, both nigh and far, to establish this among them, that they should keep the fourteenth day of the month Adar, and the fifteenth day of the same yearly. As the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemies in the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy, and from mourning into a good day, that they should make them days of feasting and joy, and of sending portions one to another, and gifts to the poor." And the Jews undertook to do as they had begun, and as Mordecai had written unto them. Because Haman, the son of Hamadatha and the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had devised against the Jews to destroy them, and had cast pure, that is, the lot, to consume them and to destroy them. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters that his wicked device which he devised against the Jews, should return upon his own head, and that he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. Wherefore they called these days Purim, after the name Pure. Therefore, for all the words of this letter, and of that which they had seen concerning this matter, and which had come unto them, the Jews ordained and took upon them, and upon their seed, and upon all such as joined themselves unto them, so as it should not fail, that they would keep these two days according to their writing, and according to their appointed time every year, and that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province, 
in every city, and that these days of Purim should not fail among the Jews, nor the memorial of them perish from their seed. Then Queen Esther the queen, the daughter of Abihel and Mordecai the Jew, wrote with all authority to confirm this second letter of Purim. And he sent letters unto all the Jews, the 120 and seven provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus with words of peace and truth to confirm these days of Purim and their times appointed according as Mordecai the Jew and Esther the queen had enjoined them. And as they had decreed for themselves and for their seed the matters of the fastings and their cry, and the decree of Esther confirmed these matters of Purim, and it was written in the book. So we see in this chapter uh, how the Lord delivered the Jews from the evil decree that Haman had made, and how uh, he protected them, how they were able to defend themselves, and, uh, and then we see the the rejoicing then as a result of what's taken place and how the Lord has provided for them. And as we looked at this uh, lesson, we saw several points here uh, that got us to this point. And we saw, obviously, the protection of the Jews, where uh, Mordecai was able to make a counter-decree that the Jews could protect themselves against uh, those enemies that would come against them. And as the Jews were most often, they were victorious uh, in the battle. And uh, many joined them that were Gentiles, uh, in this land of Persia, and they joined their side, and they uh, uh, sided with the Jews that they might help to defend them and protect them. Uh, so in the protection of the Jews, we saw the king's favor, and we saw the queen's uh, final request granted uh, that uh, Haman's ten sons would be hanged upon the gallows. So we've seen all this taking place, and uh, we see that the that those enemies that were against the Jews were well taken care of. And God had a provision, and He had provided for them a way of escape from the evil plan, the evil plot that was uh, plotted against them. So we saw the king's favor was gained. He had the king's heart was bent towards those Jews, and we see the queen's final request. And as a result of those things, the Jews were then preserved. Secondly, we saw then uh, the praise of the Jews. In verse 17, it says, On the thirteenth day of the month, Adar, and on the fourteenth day of the same rested they, and made it a day of feasting and gladness. Uh, so in that, we saw that there was a time of rest, both spiritually and physically. They took time to rest. You imagine coming out of a battle that they were physically tired, but they also needed to be restored spiritually. And uh, it's often uh, what we do here at church as well, as we come, that we might be renewed uh, and re-energize for the things of the Lord, and it's a time of spiritual rest in the Lord that we would come together around God's Word and, and just have that time of fellowship with God, and hopefully you're doing that on a daily basis as well, but just as we need that physical rest on a daily basis. So rest is very important, but then they had the feasting uh, that we saw in verses 20 and 21 as we read already. So that brought us to point number three, uh, where the, the Jews now are pondering. What are they pondering? Well, all that has just taken place. And it's good for us to remember what the Lord has done. And it's, you know, we've come through the season of Thanksgiving, a time uh, where we are thankful and we express our gratitude for what God has done for us and what others have done for us. It's a good time of expressing those things. And then we uh, come through the Christmas season and we're thankful that the Lord did come. 
as a babe in a manger, that he would grow up and that he would sacrifice himself on the cross of Calvary for the sins of all mankind. We're thankful for those things. And then uh, as we begin a new year, we reflect on what God has done for us in previous years, and then we ask the Lord what He would have us to do in the year to come. And, and we're thankful for the Lord and that He wants to invest in us and that He wants to use us. So this is where the, the Jews are at this point. They're pondering now all that the Lord has done for them. And they are uh, expressing gratitude uh, for those things. So the Jew celebration was not going to end just in this one time of celebration and feasting that Adar night. But it was to continue and become an introduction then of a new Jewish holiday. And we read that then in our portion of of Scripture uh, that we read this morning, verses 22 through 30, where they established this new Jewish holiday, this holiday called Purim. And the reason they called it this was originally Haman had cast pure, which is a lot to determine when to destroy the Jews. But as the Jews celebrated the defeat of their enemies, they named their new holiday after these lots. So that's where the name came from. So God had taken this day, that would have been a day of mourning. Now, if Haman's decree had been carried out the way that he desired it to be carried out, the Jews would have been annihilated there in the land of Persia. But... It turned into a day of celebration rather than that of mourning. God had truly made it a good day. So God changed what Haman had purposed as destruction against the Jews to a time of deliverance. And the Bible tells us that the time was turned from sorrow to joy and from mourning into a good day in verse number 22. So how did they celebrate this good day? How do they go about... uh, expressing to the Lord uh, their gratefulness and what He had done uh, for them and and delivering them from this wicked, evil decree. So their celebration gives us some insight and gives us a pattern for celebrating God's goodness as well. Notice verse 22, it mentions four specific things. So what makes a good holiday? Now we might have answers that we would give. We might say it's getting together with family and maybe friends and and just enjoying time together. But let's look at here uh, what the Jews did and what made for a good holiday. Well, first of all, there was gladness. Remember, they've come from mourning to a good day. So there's gladness, there's rejoicing. They're thankful for what God has done. And it brings gladness in the heart. And when we are delivered from something, now think about the time that you were saved. And you felt that burden lifted from your life. And And you understood that you are saved and on your way to heaven. And it's a time of rejoicing, a time of gladness. And certainly they've been delivered from a great tragedy here. And it brought great gladness. Secondly, we see it's a time of feasting. That they should make them days of feasting and joy. So uh, we enjoy a good time getting together and feasting and fellowshipping around food and And certainly they did the same thing here. So they had gladness, they had food and fellowship and feasting. And then as we see thirdly, gifts were involved. It says, and of sending portions one to another. And this is a way that we express uh, thankfulness and and gratefulness and gratitude uh, for those that are in our life. Uh, and we often see this happen around Christmas time, around birthdays, anniversaries, whatever it might be, but we give gifts. Why do we do that? Because we love them, and we want to express our love towards them, and 
here we see it's no different. They sent gifts, portions one to another, and then we see benevolence. They gave gifts to the poor as well. So Purim is certainly a great day of celebration now in the life of the Jews. But notice, secondly, that there was a clear purpose for these festivities. So they understood the, uh, all the rejoicing that was going on, but they had to understand then the purpose behind it, and that purpose then had to be perpetuated uh, to the generation to come, that they would understand what has taken place here and how God has provided. I guess I could have shown you all those things. There you go. You can jot those down if you'd like. So it went from a, it's a good day, but not only is it a good day, it is a purposeful day. Now our days need to be filled with purpose. And we need to be careful the purposes that we allow our lives to be consumed with. Now God has a purpose for us. And God has a plan for every one of our lives. And we should uh, be seeking Him that we would understand His purpose, that we would understand His will, and that we would fill our days and center our lives around God's purpose for us. Here we see this is a purposeful day that they are to remember. The purpose of this holiday was to take time to remember. Verse 21 says this, To establish this among them, that they should keep the 14th day of the month Adar and the 15th day of the same yearly. So they've established that it's going to be on the 14th day and even the 15th day of the same, but it's to be done yearly. So we, we understand this, that the most significant days in human history become merely dates in a history book uh, to future generations. And this can happen if we, as a people or a culture, do not intentionally remember the past. We must remember what took place and the purpose and the plan that God had in it. So the purpose of establishing Purim was not just to create a day of praise, but it was so the Jews would not forget that this special day was a day of deliverance that God had for the Jews. Their focus in remembering is instructive as well to us as we consider what uh, we should remember as we purposefully praise the Lord. So what are some things that we can remember? Well, we can remember the trial. We can remember the trials in our life. Trials are often what the Lord uses to draw us closer to the Lord. And the fact was especially true for the Jews in this case. Verse 24 tells us this, Because Haman the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews had devised against the Jews to destroy them and had cast pure, that is, the lot, to consume them and to destroy them. So this is the trial. This is the decree that was placed upon them. So what was the result? This decree being uh, put out throughout the land, 127 provinces, that all the Jews would be destroyed. Well, it caused the Jews to come together and what did they do? They came together, they prayed, they fasted, and then ultimately they celebrated together. So in this trial, the Jews were brought together to a united focus in petitioning the Lord on their behalf and what was about to come. So the Lord had used this trial for His glory and for their good. Anytime we draw closer to the Lord is a good thing. 
It's good for us to draw close to the Lord. And we should do so whether we're going through a trial or not. We should be seeking to draw close to the Lord. The Lord drew them close to Him through this trial. And that's what the Lord does in our trials too. In the midst of a trial, it doesn't seem uh, there could be any good. But as we look back on the trials, no matter how dark your season of life may be, remember that it is only for a season. It's only for a time. And God is able to bring you through it. I'm thankful for that promise. And He promises that glory awaits on the other side. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 reminds us of this truth where it says, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith be in much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, and whom, though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Boy, we have something great that awaits us. And Mrs. Cooper's already realized it a few days ago. That of eternal glory, uh, being in heaven with Jesus Christ our Savior. The things that we endure in this life, it's but for a season. But we have an eternity to be ever present with the Lord and ever praising Him for all that He's done. So in remembering the trial that the Jews endured, they intentionally remembered the deliverance of the Lord as well. So they remembered the trial. The trials are easy to remember, aren't they? But we need to remember the good things that God has done in the midst of the trials that we have gone through. So they remembered the deliverance. The Feast of Purim was a time of remembering God's intervention, His protection, and deliverance out of the hands of those who wanted to exterminate God's people. Verse 25 says of Esther chapter 9, But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters that his wicked device which he devised against the Jews, should return upon his own head, and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. I'm reminded of the verse that says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. The Lord can take care of our situations, and the Lord can take care of our enemies uh, better than we can. Warren Wearsby says this, Even though there was no divine sanction given to this new feast, the Jews determined that it would be celebrated from generation to generation. Note the emphasis on teaching the children the meaning of Purim so that the message of the feast would not be lost on future generations. And uh, God gave Israel several feasts, remember, uh, and we see those all throughout the Old Testament. We see the Passover, the first fruits, Pentecost, Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And every one of these feasts has significance for the Jews in remembering something that God had done for them or would do for them in the future. For instance, if we look at the Passover in Exodus chapter number 22 or Exodus chapter 12, it served as a reminder of how God uh, 
freed Israel from the bondage of the Egyptians, and it celebrated. It is celebrated annually to commemorate this great deliverance. And we understand the story there that has taken place, and and how uh, the death angel was to pass over those doors uh, where the blood was on the doorposts, and uh, signifies a great deliverance here and salvation for those young children in those homes. So as they commemorate this and they pass this on from generation to generation, what they are doing is they're building faith in the generations that come after them to place their faith and trust in God and God alone. And we too have a great responsibility as we have been delivered from sin and its penalty, as we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have now experienced the ultimate deliverance from the penalty of death, hell, and the grave. The penalty of hell because of our sin and not placing faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. So as we've experienced that great deliverance, then we have a reason to celebrate that very deliverance God has given. So we need to remember it. We also need to remember the safety. Remember the safety. Verse 26 of Esther 9 says, Wherefore they call these days Purim after the name of Pure. Therefore, for all the words of this letter and of that which they had seen concerning this matter and which had come unto them. So those who had tried to fight against the Jews, they were killed. And the Jews were safe for a season from their enemies. Their safety and security rested solely in the Lord. And I'll submit this question to you today. Where is our safety found? <laughs> Same place. It's only found in the Lord. Our safety is solely rested in the Lord. So we too have peace then in knowing our safety, especially concerning our salvation, is in the Lord. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 says this, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of His counsel, confirmed it by an oath. God has made an oath. If God makes a promise, He will never go back on it. That by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. This, these verses give us hope, and they give us security and understanding that God is keeping our salvation. So how do we have this safety? It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 8 and 9, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified, how? By His blood. We're justified by His blood. We shall be saved from wrath through Him. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we find great safety in our salvation, understanding that no man, not even ourselves, can take it from us. It is in God's hands, and God has uh, us safely within His hands.
So we have safety in the Lord. And the Jews experienced uh, here and understood that the Lord had them safely in His hand. The Lord was protecting them and the Lord delivered them from their enemies. Then we need to remember the blessings. Verse number 27. The Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon all such as joined themselves unto them. So as it should not fail that they would keep these two days according to their writing and according to their appointed time every year. They were to remember the blessings and be grateful for them. Ingratitude is contagious and it sneaks into our conversations so easily and even into our lives. The Israelites saw God directly intervene for them, and He answered their prayers and delivered them from their enemies. And they truly understood that these were blessings of the Lord, and blessings should be remembered. The song tells us, count your blessings, name them one by one. I'd venture to say when we do that, we are filled with gratitude and, and thankfulness for what God has done and all the many blessings that He's bestowed upon us. But blessings should be remembered. The first proclamation for a day of thanksgiving was issued by President George Washington on October, October the 3rd, 1789. For November 26th of the same year, part of his proclamation included these words, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer, to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity to peaceably establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Boy, it'd be great if we had leaders like that today, wouldn't it? Prioritized God in their lives and in our nation. But Thanksgiving didn't become an annual holiday until much later. And it came about because in 1841, a magazine editor by the name of Sarah Josepha Hale believed a day of thanks might unite a divided nation and campaign for it for the next 17 years. Finally, in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln declared Thanksgiving to be a national holiday. And it was Sarah Hale, uh, she saw something we often miss. Intentional thanks to God can foster unity and avert disaster. Thankfulness and gratitude are very important in our lives, and we ought to be thankful every day for the blessings of the Lord. So as we, we consider chapter number 9, uh, we see that the Jews had gone from a time of mourning, where they were pleading to God, praying, fasting, petitioning God that He would deliver them. And one day they were fasting and praying for God to save them. The next day, they experience God's deliverance. And God can move just that quick. We just need to remain faithful and praying and trusting, allowing God to do what only He can do. Because of His great deliverance, they set a holiday to commemorate and to teach the generations following what He had done. 
So as we look at our lives and we go through seasons of difficulty and mourning, it's also good for us to remember. And what should we remember? We should remember God's deliverance in our lives. It's good for us to celebrate God's goodness. And even when we are in the midst of a trial, we can purposefully remember God's goodness. And we can do this in two ways. Now, let's, as we walk this Christian life, I, I think we would understand this statement that we can't live the Christian life based upon our emotions. That would be a disaster. But we have to live the Christian life by purpose and by principle. And where do we get that purpose and principle from? We get it from the Word of God. So the Word of God directs us and it guides us. So in the midst of a trial, we must raise ourselves above the situation we're in and look to God and ask God, what are you, what are you trying to do in my life? What is the purpose and the plan? Even though I may not understand it now, God, I'm going to trust you because that's the principle that I understand from the Word of God that I am to follow. So we are to be a principled people following God's truth and clinging to that truth. And I, I know many of us could give testimony in the midst of very difficult situations. We grab hold of Scripture. We grab hold of a truth. And that truth allows us to walk through the fire. It allows us to trust God and to commit our ways to Him. So how can we purposefully remember God's goodness? Well, first of all, and very important for us to remember our salvation When we are discouraged, intentionally shift your focus from your problems to the cross and remember what Christ has done for you. That can take you from a place of discouragement to a place of rejoicing rather quickly. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says this, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. And then Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Are your hearts unsettled today? Well, God says we can have His peace. It says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Don't let other things rule your hearts, but let the peace of God rule your heart. To the which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. He's given here, we often go run to the doctor to find out what's wrong with us that we might have a prescription, how it might be remedied. God has given us remedies here for our life situations and for the troubles that we face. And often we're bound up by worry and defeat and discouragement. He's given us the remedy. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the word of God or Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Then what are we to do with that? Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Why do we sing the songs that we sing? It's, it's reminding us of God's goodness and what God has provided for us. As, as these songs encourage us about our salvation, they remind us what Christ paid on the cross of Calvary for our sins and the great debt that has been paid. We're reminded of those things, and it brings about rejoicing. And that's, as we sing to the Lord, uh, we're praising Him for all that He has done. So remember your salvation in the midst of a trial. But also remember your blessings. Every one of us have so much to thank God for. And during your times of discouragement, remember those many blessings. 
It might be a good thing to jot those things down and have a place where you can refer to those when you're experiencing discouragement. I know that there's these um, God's promises for your every need, I believe it's called. And Alice often puts it in the missions baskets. I've had one that was given to me as a teenager. And there are times when uh, it has different topics or different things that you might be going through. And you can go there and find the verses that deal with that very issue. And it's an encouragement. And it's remembering the blessings of the Lord. So don't allow your hardships to cause you to lose sight of the great blessings that God has poured out on your life. Again, all of us have so much to thank God for. Psalm 103 tells us this, in verse number 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. We serve a great God, a God who loves us and cares for us and knows what is best for us. So even if we're going through a trial or a difficulty, understand that God is there. He's overseeing the situation. And always know this, that God has a way of redeeming our lives or redeeming a situation. God is in the business of redemption, restoration. And if He wasn't, then all of us would be doomed. <laughs> but I'm thankful, even, even after we're saved, when we sin and fall short, uh, God has a plan for us to redeem us and to restore us. doesn't mean that we're not going to face consequences for what we've done. But God has a plan for restoring us and redeeming what is there and what is available to be redeemed. So is there something that's troubling us in our lives today? Is your heart discouraged by a season of difficulty? Has it been very dark days? What should we do? Remember God. Remember your God. Celebrate Him. Celebrate what He's done. Remember that Whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, the title of the series, God's Got This. God has every situation under control in our life. And God knows exactly what He's doing. And we can trust Him, place our faith in Him, and walk with Him daily. And experience, as the Jews did, rejoicing, gratefulness, gladness, a time of feasting, a time of celebration, and just who God is and what He's done for us. May the Lord work this in our hearts that we might have the same heart that the Jews had. Not only this one day or these two days that they celebrated right after the trial they went through, but yearly they set a time aside to remember. May we do that as well, not just at Thanksgiving, but I think daily it would be good for us to be thankful for what God has done. Just spend time in prayer with Him, thanking Him for His many blessings that He's bestowed upon us. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today for your goodness to us. And Father, we're just reminded over and over and over again through the stories that we read in the Word of God of your goodness. And Father, yes, we'll face difficult times in this earth, but the benefits far outweigh any trial that we would go through. Just uh, knowing that we're saved and on our way to heaven is enough. Yet you seek to work in our lives and, and even other ways and greater ways as 
Uh, we endeavor to serve you in this life, and Father, I pray that you'd help us to search the Word of God, to gain wisdom from it, and let our lives then be directed by it, to live by the principles of the truths of the Word of God, to rise above those emotional responses that we might have, but rather walk by faith and walk by truth that we know can only be found in you. Guide us and direct us as we finish out this series to get and to glean from it what you'd have for us. And I know it's been a help to me, and I pray that this series has been a help to those that have been listening. I pray now for the service to follow, that you'd speak again to our hearts, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.